our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Revely, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Happy hump day to you. It's the 12th of May, 2021, and it is time, everybody, for Morning Combat. Hello, my name is Luke Thomas. I'm one half of your hosting duo. I'm from CBS Sports, and a gentleman who is also from CBS Sports, I can see he's just waiting, waiting to unleash something. There is no uh, thing in the background, though. I don't know. There's no There's no chalkboard. No, I, I the was fuck running late is. today, Luke. It scared our staff a little bit. I had to uh, change my wife's oil uh, outside. Oh, I bet house. you did. <laughs> not, not inside it, believe me. Uh, so, you know, I got caught in a line. So, you know, a lot, a lot of pro- real professional stuff leading up to this. But, Luke, I when, made when it. You, Jose, when, you say, right? when you say change your wife's oil, do you mean drive it to Jiffy Lube, or do you mean you actually change the oil? No, I, what do you think? I'm some kind of, you know, I may be from a factory town, Luke. My dad didn't teach me anything, though, okay? You know what I mean? I what's, the, what's the most handyman thing you've ever done? Like built or fixed or something like that? I mean, I regularly chop firewood. That's that's fairly that's, manly, Luke. Okay, I, I, have I would a, I would agree. That's actually that's pretty that's pretty good. I got a big ass chainsaw that I take down uh, dead trees in the open lot next to me. For, for okay, uh, I. Uh, you know, I got this professional grade weed whacker that's like nine feet long, and uh, sometimes I lose control of it because it's so powerful, and I just take out all the flowers, and then you know my marriage is on the rocks for a few months. But besides that, Luke, not much man in the in the traditional sense. But you know, I've watched fighting my whole life. That's pretty damn manly, Luke. Okay, so that's, right. watching fighting is not that manly, but. I would agree. The chainsaw, the firewood. That, I think that definitely counts. That's I mean, I good. once got busy in a Burger King bathroom. R.I.P. Shock G. All right. Is that enough for you? That's enough for me. That that qualifies. I'd say the most manly thing in terms of repairs I've ever done is I was able to effectively take out my alternator and change the timing belt on my old, wow. old wow. Chevy Corsica. And I taught my... That's pre-YouTube. Pre-YouTube. So... You also repaired that. the direction of your career by joining forces with me, so I'm very happy to be a part of that. <laughs> they, they, they weren't in disarray, but I agree. This was a, this was. A I nice will say, thing to Luke, do. quickly as we close the rambling portion of this uh, early pod, um, you know, I've realized something. This is an A part of your career journey. You know, the, the, your obituary one day isn't going to say former host of MMA now, right? Or or once hosted the self master. Perturbatory Luke Thomas's live chat. People aren't gonna give a shit about that when you're gone. They're gonna say one half of Morning Combat. So uh, I hope you like the way this feels and looks because this is what you are, Luke. This is what you'll th- always be. I think you don't understand my career very well. But uh, that being not said, uh, we have a lot of show to get to today. We have some John Jones, some Dana White. Dana White spoke to ESPN. We've got uh, some roundup stuff. We've got some looking ahead to UFC 262 and a whole lot more. So thumbs up on the video. Hit subscribe. You want some merch? You know, 
Store.show.com. Who cares? Uh, and Dude, then you, have, you have put the, the merch folks up on the firing line, and I haven't seen a reaction from them. Are they just going to... Exactly. If I had ruffled feathers with what I said on Monday, I, I would have imagined I would have heard by now, but no one really right. challenged anything, I got which kind of tells me I was probably DMs. right. I got DM sliders going. You guys can start your own T-shirt store right here. You know, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, go protocol here. All right. BC, here, here's here's the deal. If by my birthday, merch two point out two point is not out, and my birthday is August fifth. Oh, that's, uh, that's a long time out. That's a long time. Out. Okay. Oh, you you say that, but that's just June and July, and a little again five days in August, and then a little bit of whatever is left in this month. That's actually not that okay, long. Okay, that's soft, though. That's pretty soft. I'd rather you actually be a man. You talk about manly things and step up and look into that camera and say, Floyd Logan, June 6th. We, <laughs> we, don't, we don't have international merch available. We're walking. I mean, you right? gotta give them a you gotta give them a chance to get it out the door. I mean, you know. Okay, you okay. Know, you, you can soft pedal back, but I just put the challenge out there. All right. All right. Well, that's BCs. But I'm telling. Here's what I'm telling you for mine. If by August 5th they haven't done it, I've already got a Teespring store. We can just fire that bitch up and then split it 50-50 As far as I'm concerned, so keep that in mind. Um, if you want to uh, email the show, morningcombat at gmail.com is the place to be on all of that. We'll do fan submissions today. We'll do Dead Wrong on Friday. Uh, and if you want to try Showtime, why wouldn't you? Showtime.com, 30-day free trial, and you're ready to take the plunge. There's your URL right there, show.com slash MMA. If you sign up through that URL, you get all of Showtime. In the first six months, you get it for 5 bucks a month. Again, that's live Showtime plus their entire catalog of everything they've done. So I mean, where um, else? Uh, where else are you going to watch Rumble Johnson's career? Where else are you going to watch your boy BC Saturday night at the Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California, handle the uh, in-ring interviews for Showtime Championship Boxing? Where else? Where else? Big deal. Big deal. Uh, what else? Um, uh, one other thing, Luke. Ra- Room Service Diaries went up belatedly late yesterday. And while it seems it like a fairly decent, rousing, critical success, uh, you got a lot of splaining to do on your fail-proof you know, uh, audio setup. You know, I wore your stupid microphone, and it it sounds like we recorded from the Lincoln Tunnel, Luke. I turned the volume down in the camera way too much. It was the problem. I fucked it up. So that's, that's what happens me. when you when you don't perform sober. <laughs> uh, there might be something to be said for that. I, I don't know pitfall. what. I don't. I don't know under. I don't know that the conditions under which we set things up. I was one hundred percent. That's a fair point. I just want to um, say. I got bleeped out for, th- and also I had com- other jokes removed for things that I didn't even think were were borderline. And you know, you th- that bleep made me look like I was, you know, uh, racially epitaphing uh, Danny Segura. That was not the truth. Can a man make a John Bonet joke in twenty twenty one? I guess not. Uh, the whole point of though this rant, Luke, is, uh, uh, you know, you tried to set me up to watch something foul and disgusting, and last night I looked up what you tried to set me up to watch. And uh, all I have to say, Luke, is uh, uh, you're, you're lucky we're still friends. All right. Did you actually watch? No, but I read the. Wi- I actually smartened up and was like, "Well, what the hell is this?" And read the week of Wikipedia description and was. I mean, Luke. What? what <laughs> I mean, like, I, 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 I'm not sure I could think of something you could have offended me more with. You know what I mean? You could have disparaged the great name of JC and done a lot of dirty shit, but this would have been next. <laughs> Next level. Luke. For okay. folks who's wondering what he's talking about, I tried to get him to watch. He's never seen it. I tried to get him to watch Two Girls, One Cup, and we were going to do the challenge where, you know, how long can you last before you projectile vomit based on what we're watching? 
uh, you still can do it. But you see, however much you read, all that tells you is what is like from no, a very abstract point in it. But until you lived it, you don't really know. I, I felt betrayed on the level that when my dad told me, Million Dollar Baby's going to win the Oscar. You got to see it, Bri. You love boxing. No, no preparation for how that movie went down, went down the hill and took a left turn at the end. I mean, you kidding me? All right. You love boxing. Let's watch a movie where someone has a terrible injury that makes their life a catastrophic failure at the end. And then we negotiate whether to whether to pull the plug. I'm not. I'm, this is not what I sign up for. Okay, come on. All right, fair enough. Well, uh, with that in mind, we, they put the plug for social up there. It's time to get this party started if we can, BC. So first up in the show. Dana White spoke to Brett Okamoto of ESPN, and there's a lot of different pieces there. The first part, of course, is what's going to happen at heavyweight. Here is what he said, BC. They're looking, they don't have a date yet in mind, but they're looking at Derek Lewis uh, contending against Francis Ngannou, which will be a rematch, of course, but that'll be for the UFC heavyweight title. We kind of had expected that and, and had indicated that that was going to happen, I think, last week. The part that got kind of interesting, although I guess not as much as it could have been, given what ha happened afterwards, is he said John Jones could end up fighting Stipe Miocic. Now, John Jones came out on Twitter and said, relax, it's not happening, that he would fight him, but what he wants next is a title shot, not just, you know, that. Uh, okay, BC, your reaction to Dana's matchmaking and where he's all headed at heavyweight. Yeah, sadly, I'm I'm not surprised, Mother Effers. Um, you know, I get what he's doing here. He doesn't want to pay John that money. He wants to push off the John Francis fight and and, and let it build up and simmer a little bit more. He's probably also thinking, uh, you know, let me let me also discipline John a little bit more. Oh, you think you're Connor? You want to make Connor money? You ain't Connor. And you know, we've been up and down the road on that debate and the whole idea of. Uh, you know, not many people are talking about whether uh, my colleague Jack Crosby at CBS's favorite scenario playing out of what if Derek Lewis knocks Francis out or or what if John Jones loses. And, you, and, you know, part of you knowing Dana in this is is sort of wondering, is this Dana just thinking, well, the best way to humble John is to put him in a non-title bout with Stipe and hope he loses. So there's a lot of different layers there. If they just want to run Francis back in a fight they believe he can and should win and that it would help build to John, I mean, we've seen promotional choices like this done in the past, and it's not a, a major foul or a front. It's just that you've got Francis and John willing to fight each other. You're making more money hand over fist than you ever have. You just went public. Again, make the freaking fight. And to your point on the John Jones tweets that followed... He said, don't get excited. I'm not fighting Stipe. He went on to say what you said, where I'll, you know, I'll fight him in a title fight, but not now. I'm 33 years old. I'm, I'm, the, the, I'm, in a, uh, I'm a better athlete now than I've ever been. And then he closed with this tweet, Luke. I'm sick of hearing the same shit. You're not a big enough star. You don't bring enough pay-per-view. I'm ready to fight the fights that will bring the pay-per-view. The world needs to see some black-on-black -black crime right now, and I'm ready to give it to them. LOL. That was a John Jones quote, not a BC one, just for the record. But yeah, I sympathize with John here. I like you how know? you have to clarify that. Yeah, well, you never. I got, I've been contexted before. Context is king, Luke. I've been contexted up the backside before from Fair this enough. show. Uh, but I will say, Luke, that um, I get it, but I hate it. Make, make the freaking Jones fight, okay? Put it in Allegiant Stadium, 80,000 people. It, 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 it's going to sell, brother, okay? Just, let me, just, let me, uh, let, let's break this up here for piece by piece. Be serious for a second. Not, not, not. I'm not saying be cynical, but be serious. Be fair. Be open-minded. Be reasonable. But, but you know, draw whatever conclusion you want. But I'll be true. I'll be useful. I'll be cavalier. I get what you're saying. Keep going. Okay. 
Are you really of the belief in your heart of hearts that if they made the Derek Lewis, Francis Ngannou rematch, that the fight would be even remotely as bad as the first one? Because I have to tell you, I agree with you. There's no doubt in my mind John should be fighting this, but I don't think the rematch is going to suck. I really don't. No, it's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. Oh, okay. it's, it's, All right. it's the opposite scenario of what of what happened the first time where Francis wasn't of the right mind. You know, Derek had a bad back. Both were gun-shy. You can't be gun-shy in a pay-per-view main event for the heavyweight championship. So to your point, Luke, I get it. But that's also a gamble that that the damn Black Beast could, could, could kill all the best laid plans. True or false? Yes, he is certainly. I mean, we all know his power. By the way, he's got power late. In a fight, you know, it doesn't go away. He is a constant threat. No doubt. I mean, no doubt about it. I tend to think that the fight itself, I'm not complaining about the fight itself. I'm complaining that, uh, or at least I'm registering uh, a, a criticism that uh, I just don't think that's the fight to make. But is it a good fight to make? Yeah, I, I tend to think that it might be. Let me ask you this too. Jones and Stipe, how much of that is the UFC wanting, let me put this out here. You can argue that John Jones is going to go to heavyweight and do more or less what he did at light heavyweight, or at a bare minimum, just be a consistent winning threat at the highest level over there. That's one interpretation. But I do think, as someone who's been watching him for a long, long time and has been, I think it's fair to say, he can say what he wants, but I've been a pretty consistent supporter, at least of his abilities and um, you know, a forgiver of his mistakes in ways that others have not been. However, I have to tell you, I do think that the tape at light heavyweight shows some decline on his part. I've looked at the numbers. It, the game and the division caught up massively with him. Now, he had a gigantic lead on it, but it did catch up. So the question is, BC, to what extent does the UFC want to kick the tires on Jones at heavyweight to kind of see what they got a little bit? Stipe serves that function if they can make that fight before putting him in a title contest. I mean, this is irrelevatory, right? We, you know, we've talked at length about that, that the competition caught up with John, which is why at this age right now, this is the perfect time to go to heavyweight. I just think that it's maybe unfair to John that because he hasn't fought in a while and because Ngannou just sort of reconfigured what we might imagine a modern heavyweight could look like, that it naturally we're going, oh, wait, whoa, whoa. Even people like me saying John Jones is going to win that heavyweight championship and he might not lose for some time. Can he really do it against Ngannou? The answer is, I don't know. I need to see it. But again, the point is, I need to see it. I don't know why that would would soft toe the UFC from wanting to to you know put him out there in a, in a softer match first. I always said, unless he's making his heavyweight debut against like a Brock Lesnar, which again, business wise, would actually make a lot of sense. Even today, somehow, right? I used to be talking about this in 2012, um, where it's a fight you know he's going to win, but it's an event. You can pay him a lot; it'll sell, and it will announce him at heavyweight. Stipe is not the announcement fight at heavyweight, right? If they've got any issue of who John can be then I'd almost rather say maybe the argument is to push him into the title fight first because, you know, you're going to find out right away if he can sink or swim. And if he can sit, if he sinks, he can always go back to 205 and try to reinvent himself and reimagine himself there. Um, but again, there's different ways to build to things. If they're confident Ngannou's going to beat Derek or if they don't care necessarily of what happens if there's an upset, then biz business is still going to be big after that fight when John Jones fights the winner and when Stipe fights the guy after that and all that. So, I mean, Dana and company know what they're doing, Luke. And I do want to stress again that I'm not going to sit here and be the, you know, in the midst of, of riches galore, just like my Dustin Poiwe argument in light of Saturday's main event for the vacant lightweight title. Good Lord Chandler and Oliveira is a fantastic fight. 
I did want to put that little asterisk in there that it should be Poirier, but it's the same thing, I think, with this debate overall. I want John to get paid. I want Jones and Ganu now. It makes more sense than not. But if they if they had doubts about John at heavyweight, which is rightfully so in any situation about John Jones, as great as he is, he's also still one of the biggest, you know, what ifs to some degree because of the, you know, what he's done and where he's been. I I'd, I always want to try out a risk and a gamble at the highest level, Luke, or in an easy fight. Stipe ain't either of those, though. That's the thing. So it doesn't make sense to me. Hmm. Um, what is your current temperature on whether John Jones fights in 2021? I think he will. I think he should. And I think we're going to get John Jones against Francis Ngannou at the end of this year, probably in a big stadium like it deserves, probably make it feel like a big event. I just think uh, Dana and company are being really smart here, even though it goes against everything I just said as a fan and protector of fighters. You can make Francis even more popular if he does what he just did to Stipe, and then in theory does that to Derek Lewis in a pay-per-view main event, then you're banging that drum even more. So maybe this is a little bit of a... Look, at the end of the day, Luke, it's going to have to be a compromise to make that fight happen, meaning Jones and Ganu, and we know that. That compromise is going to be, John will put out a large number on paper and say, I want to get paid Connor numbers. UFC will say, you ain't Connor, but, bro, we're not trying to kick you out of the neg- negotiation rule. Here's a middle ground number, right? They may go back and forth once or twice. But they're going to get there. That's going to be a compromise. They're going to get there. Maybe this is also part of that compromise with UFC going, okay, let's get Francis even more popular on the road there so that maybe when he beats John, it means even more and brings in even more money for us. I wonder, Luke. I wonder. Uh, All right. Let's go to point number two. We stay with Dana on this one. This, to me, is the more interesting story of of the few that have come out from the interview. And this one is about Nick Diaz. So uh, if you guys don't know, UFC President Dana White sat down, it appears, face-to-face with Nick Diaz, and I guess the two discussed business and how Nick is feeling and what he wants to do. Here are a couple of things that Dana White had said. Quote, the meeting went well. My whole thing with Nick Diaz is I just question how badly he really wants to fight, Dana White said. We got together. We had a great conversation, talked about a possible comeback for him. I just don't know. We'll see how it plays out this summer and the rest of the year. And the issue apparently is the amount of time that he's taken off already. When you hear him talk about fighting, talking about Nick Diaz, when you hear him talk about the sport, and I sit down daily or talk to hungry, young savages that want to bring him to the top 10, become world champions, all that stuff. Nick Diaz has done it and seen it all. He's been in big fights. I just don't see that in him when we talk. Now, here's the critical part. He's a grown man, Dana White said. The guy says, I want to fight. We agreed to a fight, and doctors say he's fit. There's nothing to do with me. At this point in his career, I think that they'll come back and say, we want to fight this guy. So we'll see who they want, and we'll go from there. Now, it does sound that they're going to try and find the guy uh, a fight that is suitable for Nick, for the opponent, and for the Ultimate Fighting Championship, in which case, fine. But BC, I have to tell you, it's a weird thing to say the way he said it, which is, if you don't see a guy who really has it in himself to compete, who doesn't, you think, want to do the things he says he wants to do, um, why are you, why is he under contract? That's a weird thing, right? Like, yeah. I, again, I guess if you're going to figure out a way through it by making a fight, that, that that is just, you know, he can still handle himself, but you don't really believe the world championship talk, okay. But part of me is like, dude, do you want to be in business with a guy that you, be- you sincerely believe that about? So I tend to think on one direction or the other, there is some truth to this, but it's also a little bit exaggerated. 
it's hard to know where the exaggeration is because I think there's legitimate concern about time off, age, and all that, even though, to give Nick credit, I mean, I've seen the pictures on Instagram of him, you know, on the bicycle. I mean, he's in just ridiculously ripped shape, so credit to him on that. But I think one part, look, okay, my cynical reaction, knowing how Dana operates, is, oh, did Nate come in and ask for stupid money, which the Diaz's tend to do at times, and Dana's just like, you don't want to fight. This means he doesn't want to fight. I'm going to go public and tell people I have questioned that he doesn't want to fight. That's a Dana move that we've seen before. So let's not act like that's not potentially in play. But let's also add in the part that even at their prime and best, the Diaz's are not easy to negotiate with, which is why Nate, following two fights against Connor, in which he became a household name, took the next three years off because they never could come to any kind of agreement or terms on opponent and money and regular flowing conversation. So that also has to be a part of this. But to your point, Luke, if you are Dana and you do have questions about his you know, credibility being in there at this point, um, then just let him go. Let's not delay this any longer. He's done business for you in the past, right? He's he's also just been lingering for a while. Cut him loose and let him see on the open market if he can make some fun old guy fights. We had Dan Hardy, the uh, you know ex-UFC fighter and broadcaster who's trying to get out of his UFC deal, just tweeted out, I think this morning, that, you know, hey, Dana White and company, get let, let, Nick, let Nick go. And I'd love to fight him in, in Risen if I can or whatever. You know, let Nick go. And if he's going to go to Bellator or PFL or anybody and just make a fun fight because he just, you know, he wants to do it again. He wants to end his career on his own terms. That's great. But we do have to understand as much as the other leagues have caught up with UFC to a certain degree, especially on the highest level, not necessarily depth, though, top to bottom. I mean, the UFC is still the major leagues in, in a lot of ways for a reason. So if Nick's not major league worthy anymore and Dana knows that, maybe in light of other sad endings of late, then let the guy go. Why, why, what are we doing here? Are we still holding on to him so nobody else gets him? Let him go. If he, if he Here's my want... theory on this. They, I think that they believe most of what they say, or at least a big part of what they say about Nick. But obviously they don't know for sure. I think they want to give him one, and if he looks super bad... Then they'll be like, oh, well, we can release this guy. And may- maybe he has one or two big fights for somebody else in a very favorable matchup, but we we don't really care. Or he comes out and looks way better than they think he does, or he might. And they're like, okay, all right. This is this is absolutely something we can work with and, and, and find a way to, um, you know, however many of these we can string together, let's do it. Because, dude, this is, let me, let's be real about this. How old is Nick Diaz? 30 what? 34, 35? A little older than like that, 30. maybe 36? I mean, we do have Wikipedia in front of us, Luke. You can. You can He's 37, that. and he'll be 38 in August. Okay, dude, at 170 pounds, Nick Diaz has taken a lot of time off. Yes. That's true. He also had a lot of tough fights. He has shit tons of scar tissue on his face. He's talked openly about how much he doesn't actually like to fight. It's just something he's good at, and you can make some money at. Dude, at 38 years old, you know this is the last chapter to have big fights. This this is it, um, unless he does the celebrity you know, exhibition thing, if that's even still around in a couple of years. So um, I, that's where I, I'm out of this one. I, I think the UFC will happily let him go once they realize they can only squeeze out a couple of extra big fights from him somewhere else. Imagine if Nick ended up being the one to take Jake Paul's O. Like, imagine if, like, you know, somebody, we, we never knew it was going to be Seth Petrozelli that was going to jab knockout Kimbo, right? Somebody's going to gonna pop that Jake Paul cherry. I wonder if it's, uh, <laughs> if it's going to be Nick Diaz someday. But I think, look... 
Uh, Paul Semtex Daily, oh, by the way, uh, in the last 12 hours, you know, cool breaking news into the uh, at Morning Combat newsroom that he's going to fight, what, Jason Jackson in a key Bellator welterweight bout on the undercard of uh, of uh, Lima Amasov. So that's like a good welterweight title bout. Who knows, Paul Daly at this aging point of his career could stumble into a title shot for all we know. But wouldn't you want to see Nick Diaz, Paul Daly too? Isn't that like the perfect kind of fight? If you're telling mm. me Nick maybe is only going to cash that check one more time, I don't want to see it in the UFC against a, an, a riser, like a Hamzad or, or anyone, right? I, and I know that's the end game a lot in, in the food cycle of combat sports, especially in promoting, right? Somebody builds their name off of old guys, and then when they, they get old, they sell their name to the old guys. I get that. But Nick has always, the Diaz's in general, Luke, have always handled themselves in such a different way that I don't want to see it end like that. I want to see them on their own terms go get a fun old guy fight and, and then walk away and cash that check. But uh, isn't it interesting that whenever Dana speaks, as he did with that very handsome Brett Okamoto, it fills three quarters of our rundown, Luke. It makes, it makes headlines. You know what? It makes our job easy. We can just mooch off their efforts. That's what I like. All right. And then topic number three, we kind of fucked this one up on Monday, so it's good to circle back, although we now have a bit of an update. Cowboy Cerrone lost to Alex Morno last Saturday at UFC, and now he lost, like, it was kind of one-sided, to be quite honest with you, uh, and stopped him inside the first. Now, that was at 170 pounds, and Morno took that fight on last-minute notice, so there's a question of, like, should Cerrone keep fighting? Here's what Dana White told Brett Okamoto, BC. Um, Cowboy, again, steps up. Diego falls out of the fight. And he steps up and takes a last-minute replacement, co-main event. He accepted the Diego fight because they both said they would fight at 170. He wants to move down to 155, and I'm going to let him do that. Now, apparently, when he says he lets him move down to 155, my understanding is that it's for one more fight. Right call, wrong call. It's tough because, Cow- well, first of all, Morono, you, you know, you're being soft and nice. Morono sent Cowboy to hell, and, and they know him there, unfortunately, right? He's got frequent flyer uh, passes down south, and that's why this is an issue. Um, he's been such a company guy and always doing everything for them. But, I mean, good God, he's lost so many in a row. I always tend, when, when this happens, to give every f- old fighter... Okay, you'll get one more on your terms. You're going to go out like Diego was going to do here against Cowboy. It's obviously like it's going to end bad. You're not in that. You're not that guy anymore. We're going down the wrong road. But there's one more against another old name, and everybody's going to celebrate you, and it's going to be like your retirement party, right? If that's what Cowboy's getting, that's fine. And I know that he's 0-5 with a no contest in his last six. So this is really bad territory, right? This is like BJ Penn territory. Um, and I get a lot of people are going. Man, Woodley just lost four in a row after being champion and he's cut and Cowboy gets to hang around. Well, Woodley lost very one-sidedly and lifeless in most of those. And Cowboy's a company man and it's always had its privileges. Like, let's not act like this isn't true. So, Luke, if it's a one-off, we'll celebrate you and you're going to, you know, don't go away mad. Just go away, Cowboy. That's great. But when I read the story, I don't know if it's the way it was framed. I think it was Junkie that had it. They almost made it seem like Dana was saying... We'll let him do what he wants to do and cut down to 155 and almost like, let's see where we go from there. Almost like if he can go down to 155 and if he really has one more cowboy dad last stand, let's give him the chance. And if he goes in there and he wins, let's keep it going. And that's just a, that's just going to keep happening until you Chuck Liddell, this guy. The question is how many more losses does this guy need before you're going to Chuck Liddell, this guy. So I would like greatly if they found the perfect opponent and they even made it a co-main event or even a fight night main event and said let's celebrate cowboy he's gonna 
break Jim Miller and him who are, who are tied for most appearances in UFC history. Cowboy's going to retire as the winningest fighter in UFC history and the most active with most appearances fighter in UFC history. So for this short window of time, as Cowboy steps away on his own terms, we will say, okay, he was never champion, but he's a Hall of Famer because he's a company guy and he's a character and he's a badass and he represents everything we've always represented. So here's your go-home happy fight. And for the next few weeks, we'll talk about all the records that you currently hold and all this stuff. But you know they ain't going to do that, Luke. I got to put him in there with somebody and he might have to around and get a win. Okay, what's your reward? We just booked you another trip to hell four months later. You ready for it? How bad do you, I mean, well. I mean, okay, hey, I got it for you. I got it. I got, I'm a genius. I am the leaping Lanny Poffo of this podcast. Luke, Cowboy versus Nick Diaz at 170. How freaking hard is that? It's perfect. It's mm. friggin' perfect. We're done. That's it. That's it. We're done. I, I don't know if Nick wants that. It's a soft landing if he's got anything left. It's a soft landing, and you know that to be true, Luke. I know. He's not looking for soft landings. He's looking for fat paychecks. Make it you know a main event. Like, make it a The Diaz brothers love to be B-sides. They love it. All right. How about a loser leaves town match? Pay-per-view co-main event. BMF title at stake. <laughs> just make another one. For yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just yeah. Yeah, dude. Let's talk about how he looked on Saturday. He looked bad. It did not go well for Cowboy at all. And we know he's a slow starter. And we know, we talked about this on Friday, that Morano coming out there against Pettis the way he did didn't work for him in the end. But while he did it early, blitzing him that way, that actually did work. And sure enough, it, it did the job here. I can't recall anything meaningful that Cerrone ever got off. And like he didn't look bad in the sense of like, he was an old man moving around. He kind of looked like himself, but he wasn't throwing a lot. Did you notice that? Like, he just didn't have a lot of response in him. And then Morno kept pouring it on and pouring it on to a point where you could see Cerrone didn't drop, but he could see Morno coming into him. And then he's just waiting to cover up and then roll with the punches. And then the referee, Mark Goddard, stepped in and stopped it. It was just a, I mean, it was a lifeless performance. And I know retirement must be hard. And, and, and getting to that point has to be difficult. But I cannot imagine extending to the guy. I mean, I can imagine extending to, to Cowboy BC, to your point, the company man, red carpet a little bit. But Jesus, that red carpet better be short, dude. You, I mean, it's not like sending him to 155 is an easier division. They're smaller down there relative to 170, quite obviously. But they're fucking hammers down there too, man. They're all hammers. Like, I just don't. I, I, who knows? Who knows who they're going to pair him with? And what? But I just feel like, you know, you want to give a guy a leash because you like him. If you like him, make the leash short. That's really got to be like the case If you like him, give him that old school retirement job you used to give Matt Hughes and Liddell, right? Ha or maybe Hans Gruber of, of Monsters got a, got a you know, mascot hmm. fee he can pay Cowboy. And Cowboy can show up at UFC events and shake hands and, and, and smoke cigarettes and get tattoos and stuff. I mean, I don't know, Luke. Can we just, like, again... It's same Nick Diaz conversation. This is the major leagues here, and I don't, you know, let, let's give Cowboy the proper exit. But are we are we under an illusion that he's going to go be a champion again? Are we under the illusion that he's the perfect gatekeeper test for young guys? Neither are true. For for there's two things that go that give you that sign that it's time to that it's time to end it. One's your chin. Second's your failure to launch. Right? Woodley had the failure to launch. Cowboy's already shown us the chin's gone. 
Cowboys now got both of those things, okay? That, that's, that's, that's two strikes, okay? The third strike is you don't wake up. It is, Luke. I'm sorry. So let's go. Let's end this, okay? Wow. Jesus, that was morbid. All right. Uh, erase that Erase that in the John Bonet joke from Room Service Diaries, too, with, along with it, all right? Thanks. Uh, I didn't edit that thing. All right. So topic number four here. Uh, again, we'll see what they do with Cowboy and when. Uh, here has been interesting. I follow him on social media. I don't follow a lot of fighters on social media, but I follow the great Kevin Lee, who this show has been somewhat ridiculed for because you and I have both, BC, had what appears to be, to some anyway, uh, misguided belief in the upside of Kevin Lee. It's a throbbing Uh, phoner that we actually have because we can see the future. So put some respect on his name. It's future UFC champion Kevin Lee, Luke. Okay. I I am a big believer in his upside, but he's had some downsides. Tore his ACL and why he was repairing it, tore the other one. So he had to repair both of them. This, of course, comes on the heels of losing to Charles Oliveira back at the last UFC event that the UFC had had before the cancellations and the pandemic and everything. Okay, so he says he is back. He's looking for a fight. Two conditions. One. 170 pounds. Second, he calls out Mike Perry. Let's go piece by piece on this, BC. I have to tell you, the welterweight thing, I understand Kevin Lee's advocacy for 165 pounds because I get that going to 155 for him is terrible. He doesn't want to do it. It absolutely depletes his performance. But, dude, he is not appropriately sized for 170 pounds. So maybe that's the best weight class for him just by default. But I don't like it, BC. Where are you on this? Well, let's 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 talk about a couple facts here. He's only twenty eight, so we're not you know, I don't need to panic in any regard. Okay. He's, fair enough. he's five foot nine, Luke. I mean, it's not like he's uh you know, former golden boy MMA fighter Duran Wynn, right? I mean it's not like he's like Muggsy Bogues in it out there, okay? Um can w- would the move up to welterweight increase his explosion ability and, and gas tank and allow him to lean more on his wrestling and, and and be a full-on grinder. It might revive him in the way that moving up in weight when you've been stubborn to do so has revived many a fighter, including current uh, uh, title contender Michael Chiesa in the same division. Now, I know Chiesa's much taller, longer, different fighter altogether, but you get my point. I think it's worth this experiment. He's come really close to showing us how great he can be, and he's had some hiccups. And... Uh, you know, it's the time in his life where he's ready, Luke, to, you know, to dare to be great in a lot of ways. I mean, that tattoo he got on the back of his skull, look, you don't get that unless you've got some serious plans to kick some doors in. So why not? Let's go to 170 and let's have no regrets and let's go for it, Kevin Lee. Okay, bro, we're in your corner. Let's do this thing. Uh, Mike Perry is a, is a fun first matchup. It would, it, it, you know, would it teach us a ton? That's a fight he should win, meaning Kevin Lee. But, yeah, we need to see him against against a viable contender there and find out if he can do it at this weight class. Let's see it. Okay. He may have to change his style a little bit, Luke, but let's see it. But he's been off for a while. He had both, literally both knees repaired. To your point, he's in his mid to late 20s, so he's not in any kind of dangerous territory of athletic, athletic declines, certainly not anytime soon. Um, and I like the Perry fight as a first comeback fight, given all of the... T- I mean, again, it's not just that he's been away all this time. He's been away all this time with two serious injuries to the things that you know give you mobility, quite frankly. Um, but I think as a comeback fight, I really like that one. We've talked about it. Mike Perry, you know, I don't say this necessarily with glee, just I think it's a fact. He's regressed. I think Mike Perry has acknowledged that he's regressed. By the way, by the BC, I went back and I watched some of his early UFC fights. Dude, there's no denying he, re- he has regressed. It is yeah. shocking to watch. He beat Paul Felder, bro. That was a great fight. Felder was a little bit outsized in that one. But even if you go back to like the Ellenberger fight, dude, he was hunting that guy. 
He was throwing better combinations. He wasn't waiting around for him. Like, are you trying to say he's we, become too uh, domesticated in his recent bliss? Listen, there are some guys who are never going to be champions, uh, and um, people think that the best way to fight is the scientific, you know, rational way. And the scientific rational way is the best for the very, very, very best. But there are guys like, I think, Mike Perry, as fighters, I don't know about as humans, I think he's become a lot better of a human. Uh, you know, the, the dad thing has kind of brought him back to earth a little bit. But War I'll ocean, say this, BC, brother. there are some guys who are better fighters as feral animals, not as your coordinated, strategic, rational assassin. And I think he's one of those guys. I think that's a very fair statement there, Luke. Um, by the way, I'd like Mike Perry against either Cowboy again or Nick Diaz. So all these topics are kind of running together in a lot of ways. But Luke, to close on Kevin Lee, uh, if you would if you would have the temerity to look at Kevin Lee's upper bound limits at 170 um, without seeing it, I mean, you sound like you have some doubt. About where he... I mean, he's still young enough where you you can't close the door on, on Mike Perry. But I mean, no, all no, no, of the no, signs. Kevin Lee, bro. Kevin. Oh, Lee Kevin Lee. Sorry, I, misunder I misunderstood. No, 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 no. I, I, dude, I, I, I've seen what I've seen. Like, I really, when he is on, he can fight with anybody in the world uh, at at the highest level. But, dude, like, there's been issues about his cardio. There's been issues about some of his. There's been there's been choices he's made in fights that like I don't think served him all that well in the long term. And I think getting right with some of that really is where he's aired physically. He's got all the tools. Um, he's got the right temperament for the game. It's just decision-making down the line that I think is costing him a little bit. And, and and perhaps perhaps cardiovascular preparation. I think that's been a big problem for him as well. Would you, uh, If he had come to you after the last loss and said, I need a change, I need to reinvent myself, I'm going to give you three options. One, a tattoo of a soldier's uh, mask on the back of my skull. Two, uh, I will enter into the school of self-awareness. Or three, Hey, Coastal Tories, one and one as a coach. Maybe I'll slide in those DMs and see where that takes me. Which one would you have gone with, Luke? The the skull. I tap? wasn't listening to that. All just right, now. that's great. It was an early preview into the wheel of death, the kind of bullshit you're used to dealing with. Luke, before we close the book on all things from that Dana White interview, and I'll just jump right in the middle of your own damn rundown. I know you saw what he said about Kayla Harrison, and I do I am interested to see what you think. Dana White told Brett that he just doesn't He's just not sure that Kayla Harrison is ready for the UFC level or that the PF and that the PFL knows that. And, and it was just kind of weird. The comments came out weird, Luke. And, you know, Dana did make comments about, you know, how she fights at 155 now, even though she has proven in, in her LFA one-offs that she can make 145. And we don't know what the future is of the UFC's 145 division. A lot up in the air here, but Kayla went on the aerial show, I believe it was uh, this morning or late yesterday, and she gave a very... I'd say impassioned response that was in continuation of that post-fight interview from last week that we actually really liked where she was almost cutting, you know, wrestling promos. And she said, you know, I'm sick of being miscongeniality. I'm going to be the greatest of all time. And I know that. So, you know, if PFL can't bring in the right free agents to allow me to show that, then something's going to happen here. Luke, she's, I'm wondering if Dana's just trying to light her fire a little bit and it worked. Dana's just trying to, to round up her marketability and she took the bait and went after it. Is this how she's going to get a potential Amanda fight at 145? And how freaking excited would you be for that? Because I know we've talked about it in the past, but now I'm actually thinking about it. Now I got my peaky sneaky blinders on and I'm thinking about it. That's a freaking fight, Luke. It's a great fight. I think 
here's what I would say. Two things. One, how many times have we seen Dana say about somebody, a fighter, somebody, oh, they're X, Y, and Z. And it's not necessarily all that insulting, but it's a little bit dismissive, you know, a little bit like, meh. And then that person comes roaring back, ready to prove them wrong. I mean, you see it almost every news cycle. Someone's doing it because Dana, you know, gives his opinions about things like that, and you're going to get the pushback. But um, to me, you know, if not intentional, certainly I, this is part of a theme we've seen throughout the course of of Dana White's career and in, in, in terms of running the UFC. So the very um, echoes of this I've seen many times. I'll say this. If Dana had said it before Kayla's last fight, I'd frankly understand it. I, it's not that when he says ready for UFC, he's a, he, those are maybe not the right words. Could she go to the UFC and win and maybe even beat Amanda Nunes? Let's say not beat Amanda, but beat everyone else there at 145 pounds, right? Yeah, I think she probably could. So in that sense, she's absolutely ready. But I think what he's talking about is there's been a little bit of a mean streak missing. There's been a little bit of, like, if you're that good, you should be kind of sticking it to them. And I don't mean the ones that, you know, are the Hooters waitresses that sometimes get pulled off the shelf to to then, you know, take on someone. Like, you know... Like what she did in her last fight, just going there and just bodying them and then giving up the, the speech afterwards. To me, I think that's what he's looking for. Like, if you're that good, if you're that transcendent a talent, it should reveal itself in a, in a in magnitude of ways. And just winning, sometimes careful fights a little bit, it's almost like the ben, the, the Brendan Lockton thing where, dude, he's quite obviously, he won that fight of Contender Series. He can fight in UFC, but it was so safe, he was kind of turned off by it. It's that extra gear, I think, that she has now showed a little bit. He's looking for a little bit more of it. And I, and I do like that she told Ariel that she petitioned to the PFL hardcore to sign uh, um, Cyborg when she was a free agent. Beltro obviously ended up getting the deal, and we don't know mm. you know, what happened in the negotiations. But I like that she, she was behind the scenes really pushing for that. She wants to be great. I just want to close on this, and it's very early in this conversation. But given Kayla's uh, lack of like immensely elite uh, athletes around her to be able to fight. Like we've only seen her against a certain experience level on a consistent basis. Are we disrespecting the goat at all in the idea of talking about this fight and trying to say like I just did? Oh man, this could be a fight. You know, I mean, I I love everything I'm seeing about Kayla, but there are levels to this, and sometimes we don't really see those levels until they're right in front of our face. Is she on the level to compete with Amanda Nunes? Compete, yes. Have a yeah. shot at winning that fight. Be a threat yes. to everything that the powerhouse that Mandy does. I would probably still pick Nunez, but I think she's a threat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I take her very seriously. Sure. Because of I've her seen ability them both to take in the person, fights. And Kayla, I think Kayla's the better athlete of the two. I'll tell you that for sure. Do you think she has legitimate power? I'm not trying to say does she have Nunes power. That's otherworldly power. Maybe right. Cyborg only on that level that we've seen in the women's game historically. But do you think she's got legit power? Yes. And with the elbow she would have in UFC, I think she would absolutely just dice these people. To, like, fucking. They would, she would Julienne them, you know, like ingredients on the cutting board. I, I, I'm very, Dude, she moves to mount. She has very good balance. And she strikes hard from there. She would absolutely fuck people up with that. No doubt. And there's no doubt in my mind. Now, whether she would do that to Amanda, I don't know. But just about everyone else at 145 there, yeah, I think she would. Mm-hmm. Including she's got a Felicia great personal Spencer. story. I, I'm not sure if you've looked into it, but great, great personal story, too. Yes. Uh, the, when I told it, it tells me you're a big fan of my content. Uh, BC, 
I don't know what to say about this because first of all, innocent until proven guilty and it's fucking weird. <laughs> Apparently Anthony Rumble Johnson was arrested and charged with identity theft. And I looked at the arrest report. Did you see the actual arrest report? No, I only saw the uh, Greenwich Post like online story in which they no sold the shit out of the fact this guy's like a famous, you know, world famous athlete, and it's like you know, like Florida man Anthony Johnson arrested. Yeah. Like, okay, okay. They were just the like some dude from Deerfield marks. Beach, Florida, committed some crimes here. We don't know who he is. I'm like, what the fuck? Um, okay. If you read the arrest report, BC, it says they cuffed him at around 11 on Friday night at Mohegan. Dude, that means he fought, did the post-fight presser, and then they must have arrested him like right after that. Uh, it happened all quietly, I guess, that no one had heard anything. I certainly didn't hear anything on Thursday night about it, um, or Friday night even. Uh, but If you uh, check here's your credit I, card statement after reading that, you're an a-hole, Luke. Yeah, I know. Um, New Canaan Police, am I pronouncing that word right, with the two A's like that? Yeah, yeah. Took a complaint regarding a victim having their credit card being used by a third party without permission the illegal use of the credit card was used to purchase a round-trip airline ticket from fort lauderdale to newark the name of the passenger was anthony johnson a subsequent investigation determined johnson used the illegally obtained credit card to purchase the airline ticket an arrest warrant was obtained for johnson for the above charges now this happened in 2019 allegedly and we don't know who the person was uh it's weird because like it was already national news that johnson was coming to connecticut for this fight so it's just sort of weird and the story didn't really let you know like did he steal the identity or did he just benefit from the purchase of the identity theft? I can't really so, tell so that. If, I think if I took your card and I used it and I have to put in your information some kind of way to get it to work, then that might be identity theft, even though I'm not like actually trying to assume in a complete way your identity. Um but I, you know, I don't know what the rules are. Anyway, charged with identity theft after the alleged u illegal use of the credit card and cited for spending less than five hundred on a revoked payment card. I don't know what that is. He was later released on a five hundred dollar bond. Um, in Connecticut, identity theft BC is a third degree class D felony, punishable by up to, up to five years in jail and five thousand dollar fine and probation. He has to go back on June. Eighth. I asked Bellator for comment. They told me they don't comment on stuff like this, but they are aware of it. They did um, that same thing to me, Luke. It's company policy, apparently. All right. What do you yeah, want? that's what they say. That's what they say. Uh, BC, what the fuck is this crime? Alleged. This alleged crime. I don't, I don't even understand. It's like, why would you do that? You got money? Like, Yeah, that, that, look, the, uh, the, it needs to be explained. And Rumble needs to speak publicly on it because it's just weird. Like, did he, again, did he you know, identity theft someone? Did he benefit from somebody else identity thefting someone? Or, uh, you know, I don't know. It's it's weird. But, I mean, AJ's a great dude. I uh, love to interview him. He does have a, some some missteps in his past there, Luke. So this was, this was you know, not great to see. But, uh, yeah, it is what it a is. A friend of mine, by the way, just, just a theory, a, boy, a buddy of mine who's a, an attorney in Connecticut, his theory, or I should say not even theory because you have to have some evidence for it, but his hypothesis is that... Uh, Maybe Johnson had a girl he had a fling with, and they maybe were using their cards in some kind of you know loose way. Because the the moment that it happened was in 2019. Like Bellator would book your travel for this, you know what I mean? You don't have to pay for that. Bellator books it. Um, but then maybe there could have been some kind of romantic thing where you know you still thought you were in. You know what I mean? How that work can work when you're in relationships and spending money, and then you kind of break up, and they're like, oh no, wait. I don't know. That that was his hypothesis. I don't think it's all that well thought out. But what do you I mean, I, Look, I would do anything for love, but 
I won't do you that. You won't do that? No, no. All right. And then a couple of more notes here from um, UFC, no, I guess it's UFC 262. Hermanson and Shabazian versus Shabazian was supposed to be on that card. They're going to push it back one week. Do we know why they pushed it back a week, BC? I don't have these kind of answers, uh, so we'll have to wait another week for the uh, Edmund and the Head Movements concert. Can't wait to see this in a lot of ways, Luke. Uh, but, yeah, it, it does... That, along, obviously, with the loss of uh, Nate or Nick uh, Nate Diaz, excuse me, and Leon Edwards, it, it does take a little bit of the shine off of 262 on Saturday, unfortunately. You know what it did do, though, Luke? The Diaz one, I mean, especially, that's jacked up that June pay-per-view they're doing in Arizona with Adesanya on it and uh, Figueroa, uh, Figueredo and now uh, Nate Diaz, so jazzed for that. But, no, I don't have the answer. Wasn't somebody sick and they pushed it off a week? Wasn't it Shabazzian? I don't know. So, I mean, you got uh, the internet like in front that. of you. It's not like I, you know, what do you want me to do? Plan for the show and read shit? Yeah. The more important story, though, is not that. The more important one is, and I saw this, uh, Zhang Wiley did an interview and had said that the boos that she got in Florida at UFC 261, they actually did affect her, that they kind of threw off her game. She wasn't, she wasn't necessarily expecting it, and it disoriented her because I guess she'd never experienced anything like that in her life before. Now, BC, is that a fair thing to say, or is that an excuse for a loss? I have to see in the in the in the context of the interview and how it was portrayed. I mean, obviously, if she's leaning on it as an excuse, then it's an excuse, right? I mean, she won her title on home soil when Jessica Andrade went into quote unquote enemy territory. Now, Andrade didn't get you know ruefully booed from what I can remember, but you get the point. If you're a professional, you should be able to endure whatever the home crowd has given you. This has somewhat special connotation linked to the Rose Nami Yunus comments, which again, I, I mean, I believe Rose that you know. It, I got the spirit of where she was coming from, even though they certainly can be framed in a very ignorant way. Um, but, you know, I hope this wasn't fallout from that where American fans were like, yeah, F communism and the Chinese, let's boo. I mean, you know, but what, But at the end of the day, Luke, you know, it's sports. You're fighting wherever you fight. You know, there's no guarantee anyone's going to, you know, love or hate you. So I'll give um, Zhang the... the the hesitancy here until I would be able to somehow hear that interview in context. I, I don't. I don't assume it was in English, but um, you know, if she's just mentioning it as a thing that affected her, then that's a thing that affected her, and, and it's unfortunate for someone at her professional level that it, that it did. But I wouldn't think, knowing her character from what I've seen, that she's sort of like leaning on it as a crush. Yeah, right? I don't think she's leaning on it either. I actually believe it, like for a couple of reasons. One, you can actually go back and watch a bunch of her fights on YouTube. There's. <laughs> There's never a situation where, like, she's getting actively booed out of nowhere or even booed really at all. Uh, you just don't – I've not seen a strong example of it from any fight that I can find. So I kind of believe her that she was like, what the fuck? Even I – dude, if we were like, what the fuck? We thought people liked her, and we get it. You know, Rose Naminas is the is the fan favorite and blah, blah, blah. Okay, we all know the whole story. But still, even I was a little bit like, I get why they're doing it because they're Florida baboons and they don't know any better. But – um you know, it's a little bit strange. And I think you can also say, BC, dude, listen, Rose is your rightful champion. And maybe if they run it again, Rose beats her. I probably might like Rose to beat her, in fact. In fact, I'm pretty sure that I would. But I don't think, like the Ioana fight, that the second one's going to look like the first. I think the second one's going to be a lot more competitive. There's going to be a lot more to show for it. And Rose, like the Ioana fight, might get her hand raised in the end. She's very, very special. Super special. 
But I think that there's reason to imagine a rematch could be a lot of fun. And if Zhang Weili can get back on the horse, of course you want to see that again. And maybe this time she might be a little bit more prepared for the grittier waters. She's lucky she wasn't in Philadelphia where they may have chucked batteries at her, BC. Yeah, they'll, they, they'll boo Santa Claus, Luke. They'll boo, yeah, they'll boo anybody over there, those, those heathens in Philly. I got respect for Philly, though. Luke, I'm a Northeast guy. I don't know if you know. Philly's got a little bit of that factory town vibe they can they can register in my dojo factory town mma anytime they want all right luke well i'll tell you um vinnie paz jenna mind tricks army of the pharaohs most of them are all from philly so reef the lost cause uh planetary crypt the war child all those guys yeah all all my friends i guess (laughs) i I don't know if i'd get down with vinnie paz luke i don't know if it's my why Why? because he's muslim oh really really luke really we're going there i mean come on (laughs) Uh, I hang out with me. you and you're that's it for me that's it for my stories BC uh, what do you got no more I'm not putting my I'm not digging any more holes what do we got what, what's next Luke what's next in this show that's it it's uh I think it's your Wednesday wheel fuck face right. yeah it all is all right F face yeah here we go so here's the deal we do every Wednesday people really seem to love this even though it's bizarre and weird um Luke is kind of a filthy prick and doesn't let me ask the questions that I want to during this show so we've created a segment this, this, built this, around the, the that. entire premise of this segment is ass I want you to know that I want you to know though Luke you do mail in I don't know if you get tired or bored but you mail in two out of five of every questions each week i need good faith responses okay to let, 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 me, let me let me let me let me okay okay fair enough i don't think you're wrong when you say i mail in two of these i do mail in two of these and i know it's your segment you want to run it your way but you got to meet me halfway a little bit dude the intros are too long yeah, you but they really frame a picture. They really set a scene. They frame a picture of where we're well, going. Well, then, if you want to keep there. painting that picture, then keep getting two out of five phoned in. I mean, I don't know oh, what else to wow. tell you. Wow, such a dick, though, Luke. You know, I do put a lot of time into this segment. It may seem like I know I just, you do, and I want to answer like them. It may seem like I just swipe my balls and smell it. You're reading me bedtime stories before every fucking question. Okay, Luke. Maybe, maybe I'm trying to, maybe I'm trying to get you somewhere. Okay, uh, let's run the animation, please. All right, please. all right. There it is. Wheel of death. Ten categories. Luke will spin it metaphorically five times, and he gets what he gets. Your categories this week are Brawl's Bonanza, Abuela's Favorite Paul Brother, Jazz Music, and Other Poontang Catnip. Play that funky music. Jazz is not Poontang Catnip. Grand Prix Identity Theft. Uh, Pound for Pound, Still an Asshole. Impossible Meat Curtains. Burying B.C., the Legend of Baron Barrow and Josh Thompson conspiracy theories. Yeah, well, oh, impossible wow. meat curtains. That is an interesting one. That is an Luke, it's on you. You get what you get. All right, let's spin this fucker. Here we go. Let's see. Brawl's Bonanza. All right, this one's not so bad. This one sounds okay. All right, Luke, it goes without saying that our kids are growing up in a much softer society than you and I did, for better or worse, and that definitely extends down to pro sports watching. Luke, in our day, even pro athletes settled their beefs the old-fashioned way, grabbing hold of someone and punching them straight in the damn mouth. From the Palace Brawl to Yankees Orioles in 97 to Nolan Ryan making Robin Ventura regret he ever thought he was tough enough to rush the mound. Heck, even the Redskins got involved, Luke, when Michael Westbrook sent uh, Stephen Davis to the deep dark depths. And every sports fan from our era seems to have that one fight they saw in real time, and it's their go-to reference when thinking back on the way sports used to be. 
Which fight is that for you? What were the circumstances in which you watched it? And what ways have you constantly referenced it or been reminded of it in the ensuing years? Well, you kind of stole my thunder a little bit in the way that you set it up. Um, well, because I knew you would go, well, what are we talking about here, BC? So I gave you a few examples in the question. All right? No, it's fair enough. But I think the biggest one, I'd be, I mean, there's been some big ones for sure. But the biggest one has got to be Malice at the Palace. So I was living in New York City at the time, and I was a bouncer. And I bounced on the night at a sports bar uh, on the Upper West Side. Not quite a sports bar, but kind of a sports bar. On the Upper West Side off of uh, Amsterdam Avenue. And I was outside. Um, it was cold that day, if I remember. I figured, what was the exact day of Ballast of the Palace? I don't remember the day. But it was at night. Obviously, I was bouncing. And I'll never forget because I heard some commotion and I could see through the glass the all the TVs inside. I actually could watch Luke, the game if there was no November nineteenth, November nineteenth, two thousand four. Yeah. So you can imagine November in New York's a little bit chilly, and um, I remember uh, there was commotion and people were like yelling. So I thought immediately something was going on in the bar, and then I run in the bar to you know make sure everything's okay, and everyone is watching this shit. And I'll never forget. I forgot Jermaine O'Neal punched somebody. But it, that wasn't the, the fat one. dude. The fat dude in the, the Richard fat dude Hamilton with the jersey, jersey on laid him Fucking out. Dude, if people don't understand this. Like people don't know who Jermaine O'Neal is anymore. That guy was like what, like six nine, six ten. He was a like fucking... a six eleven center, legit. Also, dude. Yeah. I so I've never told the story. My first job out of college. This is a true story, BC. My very first job out of college was I was a waiter in Williamsburg. Just the summer after I graduated, just you know, I wanted. To, I didn't want to move home before getting a job in a big city. I just wanted to stay in Williamsburg, so I got a job as a waiter at a steakhouse. I actually made pretty good money, and then I moved to New York City in that October. And um, um, I forgot where I was going with this fucking story. Jesus. Um, anyway, long story short, BC. Uh, I forgot where I was going with the fucking story. Uh, no, I, I don't remember. Long story short, BC. I fucked this one up, but. That one is most notable for me because I jump inside to the bar. Everyone is looking, and I just sat there and watched all of the replays over and over about fucking Meta World Peace or you know whatever his real name is anymore. Ron Artest. Yes. Ron Artest. Jumping into the audience. Oh, this was my real story. Dude, people don't understand how big NBA players are. So I moved to New York City. I got a job as like the uh, like daily manager of security at Cartier on Fifth Avenue. I actually worked at that bitch, okay? It was fucking crazy. And Rasheed Wallace came in one time. Now, Rasheed Wallace, a guy who played for the Pistons, who was happy to fucking knuckle up with anybody. Dude, he he's thin. He was enormous. I couldn't believe how big he was. And I'm not a small guy. He was fucking enormous. So these guys rolling up on NBA players, dude, everyone in the bar was either horrified or like me grinning ear to ear because I too have wanted to beat the fuck out of fans at sporting events for many, many years and watching Jermaine O'Neal, who's like 260 fucking six foot 10 bah, bah on some well, fat guy, just thinking he is way more than he is. Honestly, I knew it was a black eye for the NBA. You could just watch that and be like, dude, this is oh, fucking yeah. terrible if you're the NBA. And then me being like, dude, I have been waiting for players to turn on the fans 
for 20 for 20 well, plus years and some they of these fans had it. it coming look that one guy that threw the shit he had it coming and he was p- trying to punch around yeah, the but other, they you beat know, up the one guy who didn't do anything i know so the the guy you fear the most is that white dude in like five rows up that steven jackson of all the smoke jumped and went after and that fear on his face as as jacko was coming at him but look the guy you talked about the jermaine o'neill lined up uh manich our producer was just like he almost killed that guy if you go back and watch that if o'neill didn't slip on the way to lining that guy up, I actually think he would have like Rudy Tomjanovich him. I think he would have like might have just straight <laughs> killed him because he slipped. He lost some leverage, but he still followed through with his seven foot frame and just buried the guy. Wow, Manich saying uh, I remember. Brother. How about this one? I also remember. I don't know why it's the NBA ones. I remember. I remember when Jeff Van Gundy bit the ankles oh, yeah. of Alonzo Mourning. I was remember going that? ape shit, like swinging at the TV, going nuts. I mean, because it was LJ versus versus Zoe. Those were teammates yeah. and brothers, and they yeah, went yeah. after it. Um, I got to put um the JoJo English Derek Harper fight from the '94 playoffs at Chicago Stadium in this one because it went into the second row and David Stern was sitting right there, and it was like, oh my god, like th- this shit's out of control. But uh, nothing will beat the Palace Brawl, Luke. I was in a bar with two friends, and oh. we were sitting alone in the corner looking at the TV and going crazy we watched it in real time and just like because look it, it was so surreal it was like vid- not even video game or movie like you just felt like you were on another planet that this that the lines had been crossed and then i turned around at one point and there was like 300 people around me watching it was like the whole bar just shifted over and they were directly behind me that was some intense shit and not everybody was gets off good in that i mean the fans were out of control when they were dousing the players as they were going in the tunnel with like soda and they're just getting full-on facials i mean that was there was a there's a lot of blame on both sides, but you know who I really think is the MVP in that? Remember that fat dude that came onto the court in the Pistons jersey? Not the one that got laid out, but he went he went toe-to-toe with Ron Artest. Like if you come on the court, you're putting yourself in a position to get maimed. And he yeah. actually rolled with, with Artest's uh two-piece, right? He rolled with it and countered back. Like that dude, that dude was ready, all right? A little bit. Also, I forget who the I think he was Dominican, the pitcher for the well, he pitched for the Red Sox, then he pitched yeah, he pitched for the Red Sox, and then the pitching coach of the Yankees charged him, Don Zimmer, and he fucking olayed him you on the field. Pedro Martinez, Pedro like Martinez, one of the all-time that's who great pitchers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, he's not that Dominican guy where I come from, Luke. All right. I know. I'm, Sorry, I forget his name because my memory doesn't work like it used to. But when he olayed him, I was there for that one as well. I remember that one being like Jesus Christ. Yeah, that that's one, that was pretty bad. That, and there was a brawl. There was other brawls in that game too. That, those were the good times, Luke. Those times are over. All right, Luke. Spin number two coming your way. Hey, all right, Luke. Hey, man, I know we aren't supposed to be talking about them damn Paul brothers anymore on this show, but they simply can't stop, won't stop making headlines. To the point, Luke, that eventually your own damn abuela is going to take notice and know who they are. So that's how this thing works, Luke. But I want to do with you for this question is play a little TV ratings experiment, if you will. We all expect the June 6th fight between Floyd and Logan Paul to do gangbusters on Showtime pay-per-view, especially after the gotcha hat episode in Miami last week. But let's imagine for a second, Luke, that Viacom CBS changed lanes and said, you know what? We want a different approach to gambling on how big this fight can be. We want to present this on the Tiffany Network for free. Floyd Logan on Big CBS in order to properly gauge, Luke, what that might do for peak viewership. Let's say they did that gamble. It's unaffordable to do that, but let's say they're going after the ad revenue and they're like, let's just do it. 
we need to sort of see how much that could actually sell. As you know, Luke, in the cord cutting era, things are changing quick. Um, the quarantine sports ratings are down. More people are watching, you know, Netflix streaming stuff than ever before. So it's all over the place right now. So as a point of reference, Luke, let me tell you this. Super Bowl uh, 55 just did 96 million views, which was actually a, a 10 year, 13 year low. Um, the the Megan and Harry interview with Oprah did 49 million views. College football championship 18. College hoops 17. Academy Awards 10 million. Mass Singer debut 5 million. Holloway Cater on ABC. Luke 1.6 million. What number could Floyd and Logan realistically do on Sunday night, June 6th, if it were placed on free TV? I think it would do, and I'm glad you read those numbers for context because I'm familiar with them. I would say uh, promoted correctly on the Tiffany Network at the right time of day, I think you could probably do between 20 and 30 million. I think you could get about what you would get for a big NFL game. That'd be more than twice what what the NBA Finals got this year, although it was obviously a down year for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, listen, sports ratings for the most part are down across the board. And so, you know, there's things you have to uh, – not, not, it's not totally true, but there's been – it's mostly true. And so, you know, you have to kind of amend things. Oh, Jesus Christ. But I would say that for me, um, yeah, I think, it could, I think it would beat the college, champ, the college football national championship. But I don't – you know, 40, 50 mil, uh, that seems a little high. Okay, that's fair enough. Is that Steven Espinosa telling you that, that this will not be happening under any circumstances, Luke? Yeah, we actually, that was him calling right now. We just got fired, it turns out. So <laughs> we, can, we can just wrap up things. The John Bonet Patreon show will be on after this. All right, Luke, third spin. <laughs> Let's get through this thing. Let's do it. Let's right, spin this fucker. All right, here we go. Play that funky music, White Boaz. Luke, right. I've tried and I've tried to have competent music discussions with you since we first became friends and MK salesmen together. You fucking arrogant. You, but unless dude, you Luke, like the most sit down when well, you I'm giving you this question I've is, ever heard from a man is designed to give you the chance to rebut. Okay, Luke, because unless you and I are talking about nineties grudge or class grunge or classic hip hop, there's sadly very little in which our musical tastes intersect. I like a That's little true. bit of heavy metal, but I'm not going down the road to abortion rock and school shooting playlists, okay? I love me some artsy stuff like jazz and fusion, but you know I'm a classic rock guy. I'm an indie rock guy, Americana folk, all that good stuff. Luke, you hate all things that are great, apparently, like Jerry Garcia's guitar tone. But yeah, Luke, he sucks. I want to give you this chance. Like, if we hung out, it's I've been in the car with you. We don't really have a middle ground, Luke, okay? When you're in my Lilith Fairmobile with me and you're like, could I, could, I, could I program my phone to your radio so I could control this and put on some screaming shit? Um, <laughs> I worry, Luke, sometimes that you have no idea how, how great music was from the late 60s and all of the 70s in very different genres and that you were raised in some kind of communist alternate music reality. So, Luke, I refuse to give up on you, though. Something inside of me knows you can have better taste. So to prove that, share with me five different albums that you sucks. currently own in some physical form, cassette, CD, vinyl, that were made before 1985 that you and I could potentially put on together and rock out with and have some actually productive musical discussions about. Kill Em All, Metallica. Okay. Uh, Ride the Lightning, Metallica. 
So you're you're hugging close to that eighty five thing. You're like, yeah, 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 BC. There's no hang such on, thing. Hang as on, <laughs> hang on, hang on. Ozzy. No, 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 Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm trying to think here because because the thing is, I mean, if I was just naming albums before eighty five, it's not that hard. But ones that I own, yeah, man. Uh, that that's where it gets a little challenging. Um, I mean, do you have Led Zeppelin one on on CD somewhere? I mean, what are you what are you holding, Luke? Is it all bullshit? Let's see. I've got all the Beatles. So, I mean, you could count any of those if you wanted. And you're an educated um, understander of what's going on there. I love the Beatles. I've never, you've never heard me once talk badly about the Beatles. Have you right. ever heard me say anything bad about them? I'd love to do a, a Room Service Diaries Beatles edition with you one time. Dude, we could do that shit. I'm down. Trust me. Okay. Like, that's not hard. Okay. Um, so you could throw those in there. But if I was, if I was thinking, hold on. I want to tell you, because I have all their albums, but I'm not sure of the date. So give me just a second here. Let me look up one of these. And see what their discography does in terms of years. Because I'm not expecting yes. you to get into my jazz fusion, Luke. But I got to be able to talk about rock and roll with you. That doesn't involve, uh, you know, a flying V guitar uh, sped up at, you know, thinking about Satan and shit. I mean, come on, Luke. So I have all of the albums ever made by Depeche Mode. Um, see, I'm I'm very under under touched on that so that that's a that's where i'm i've got a blind spot luke okay you don't like a Dep- i mean depeche mode is just, just incredible. So i would add i would add uh construction time again a broken frame maybe to those conversations okay. i'll throw in one more that i've got that i own um what's a one from pre-84 that i own i mean you could jam do you have to? like back in black by acdc do you have uh i used to i don't know if i have it anymore i mean for I mean, sure, where I have. Do we I've meet, Luke? Do we meet at Queen Zeppelin Hendrix? I mean, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. I, who oh, you, you know are. what? We, you know where we meet? Here's where we intersect. Stevie Ray Vaughan. Okay, that's okay. where we intersect. Yes, yes. Okay, that's okay. Uh, got, see, I've I'm, got. I'm getting, I don't know if I have all of his stuff, but I've got most of it. It's all upstairs. I have to take a look. But any of his work with Double Trouble, I've got. Um, so I'm not sure what album is pre '84 because oh, I can't his, recall yeah, his, the top yeah. of my head. Most of his are pre-84, including his debut, yeah. which is one of the best debuts in rock history. There's no doubt about it. Um, yeah, so he had stuff from um, Flood, the Texas Flood. It was 83. Yeah. There you go. That'll be my fifth, Texas Flood. Okay. All right, Luke. I feel like I'm getting to know you a little bit more. I like this side of you, okay? Yeah. Also, your mutated music, it does suck, just so you know. No, I've, I'm just so evolved and, and so willing to take chances right now that I'm just, uh, oh, I'm touching You're so evolved. Is that why you're listening to music from the 80s? Because you evolved? Classic Rock Radio lied to us, Luke. Anyway, you got two more spins. Let's let's take this thing home, Luke. All right, let's spin this, bitch. You get what you get. That's how this works. All right, let's see. Still an asshole. All right. Pound for pound, still an asshole. Luke, I'm pretty sure you don't give a damn about anyone's pound for pound list on anything, including the newly updated CBS Sports boxing rankings, which have Canelo Alvarez number one with a bullet uh, following his dismantling on Saturday. Luke, you're just a, not really a fun person who enjoys fruitful debate, even though you're in the sports talk business. Fruitful um, debate. You don't yeah, like right. to debate. You're right. You I don't, don't like, like debating deba- dumb shit things. No, That's right. You don't like to debate things that can't be substantiated with science and facts. You know, I get you. Yes, I get it. That's right, because you can't debate those. That's right. Well, you're an old bitch because of that. But luckily for the fans, we have the wheel of death, Luke. So this week's good faith response to a decently faith pound for pound question centers upon those who work the microphone in the combat sports space. I'm talking Ooh. right now, regardless of network affiliation, 
connection to this show, and regardless of whether they do play-by-play, color, sideline reporting, uh, even studio host. Think about those jobs in your head. Who is Luke Thomas's top five pound-for-pound best combat sports announcers of right now, not all time, right now, counting down from five to one? I'll give you a minute to think about it, Luke, but again, not in all time, just in this moment right now. Are we counting both play-by-play and color? I believe I just said that, Luke. I believe I just friggin' said play-by-play okay, well, colors. it's kind of dumb to have them on one list. Sideline right. reporting, studio host, Luke. Okay, I mean, this is yeah, not it's, that it's a, bad, it's a bad idea to have them all on one list, but okay. Because um, we got a lot of time here to kill, Luke. I mean, come on. I would say... Uh, let me think about that for a second. I mean, uh, I, I also could be in your list, Luke. You know, I, I am eligible. Yeah, you're not on my list. Um, <laughs> yeah, I am eligible at a few different locations for this 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 uh, this category. Yeah, I mean, I'm eligible to be the president of MIT. I don't think I'm qualified <laughs> though. Uh, I mean, I'm on the ballot, is what I'm saying, Luke. Okay, yeah. You're the write-in name for governor. You know, I voted for governor Brian Campbell. That's what I voted. I mean, for. I'm on the ballot a couple couple times, Luke. So just you know. Just so let me say the ones who I know are top five, and then we can arrange them. I'm See, you go, always do this. I want your top five in order. It's not. I'm going to give hard. it to you. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. So there's Anik is in play. Morrow is in play. Dominic Cruz is in play. Um, man, that's a tough one. Oh, um. I'll say Schiavello is in play for me. I like him a lot. I think he's very good. Above above Andre Ward? Above... Uh, oh, fuck the boxing guys. Shit. Above, um, you know... I mean, come on, man. Yeah, you know what? Okay, so I'll go Anik. I'll go Morrow. I'll go Cruz. I do like Andre Ward. He is excellent. And I will go... Ooh... See, some of the names that I would have gone before are out. Like, where would Kellerman, where would Roy Jones Jr. have gone, Fair. you know? Lampley, yeah. Uh, um, I'll go Bernstein 5. I'll go Bernstein 5. I think he's very talented. Very very company safe move, but he did reinvent himself on Triller, so shout out to Uncle Al yes, for that. Um, so who's your number one right now, pound for pound, Luke? I think Anik. I think Anik's on a roll, you know? Wow. Yeah, I think he's. I think I think people are realizing finally. I mean, dude, when he first started doing this, people were not a fan of his. I mean, that may sound insane to folks who are new to the sport. People didn't hate him exactly, but they were a little bit like iffy about him. People loved Goldberg, which is something I've just never understood ever at any point in my life. Um, But over time, I think Anik has slowly but surely won people over, and now, to me, I think he's probably the gold standard of uh mma broadcast i think morrow has morrow to me is more well-rounded by far he can do kickboxing he can do boxing he can do mma pro wrestling to me he's the most versatile and overall the most talented but locked on mma broadcasts dude annex hard to beat bro i like joe tessator more than you too by the way you like what joe tessator I used to love He's got Tessitore. great energy for big moments. He's great in the big moment, and he's very smooth. It's just that that whole broadcast, and somehow Ward has kind of stayed out of this, has become so much a cheerleader for their own product where it's gone like a little too far. And you could say that about a lot of entities right now, especially in boxing where you're so tied to one network. UFC is obviously pro-UFC up and down, right? Like, I mean, it kind of comes with the territory in some regard, but... 
Um, it's been a little bit too much like, oh, Bud Crawford's on this week, so he's our pound for pound king. Oh, Lomachenko's on next week, he's now our pound for pound king. It's been a little bit of that oh, too see. much, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, that, but, but that's uh, not Tessator's call, is it? That's the producer's call. I don't know. I don't know. But it's part of the deal. I, I'm a big Sergio Mora guy. I love Todd Grisham. I think they might have the best chemistry. Oh, in the they're game, good too. Yeah, they're good. They're good. I mean, look, look, if you had top 10, top 15, there's a lot of really good ones you, you can name. I guess I just mean, you know, like, by the way, who would be your top three? non-combat sports top three i can tell you mine right away i, I don't uh, watch pro sports on the regular anymore right now i would have to go more like over the last 20 years luke okay hubie brown about, um hubie brown emrick doc's insanely good yeah kirk um, herbstreet to me is about as flawless a broadcaster as you're gonna find and then i'd add uh, the guy who the, the the jeff van gundy fucking broadcasts with Mark Jackson or whatever. They're fucking terrible. Um, I agree with you on that. I agree fully on that, actually. Who's um, the third big, one that's like really good? Dude, Hubie Brown, 15 years, 10 years ago, insanely great. Um, uh, what's, uh, yeah, I just lost my, I lost my mind. Who's right the now. most oh, underrated Tony combat Romo's sports pro- commentator ever? I Tony Romo's pretty amazing right now, Luke. You don't want to jump Romo's on that CBS good. turn? Um, Romo's really good. If you guys have never seen the pride that the, took place in Las Vegas, Prior to 37 or whatever it was when Nick fought Takanori Gomi. Um, it was commentated by Josh Barnett and a guy who has done a lot of other work. His name is Lon, Lon McCarron. It's spelled Lon yes. McKeechern, but it's pronounced Lon McCarron. He did. Dude, um, Lon McCarron is He did awesome. ISKA kickboxing forever on ESPN, and then he became the voice of ESPN's poker coverage during the boom. That's right. He was good at that, too. All right, Luke. Hey, Luke, you've got one more spin, and I hope to make your top five next year. Uh, you got one more spin, Luke. Go for it. All right, let's see. Spin. I don't know. Has this been a debacle this week? We'll let the people decide. Oh, hey. BC. Boy, there is no one who will cry victim quicker than you. Unbelievable. Uh, Luke, uh, my wife and I always try our best to have those important yet uncomfortable conversations together, even if one of us is hesitant about the subject matter. For example, her wish is that if something happens to her, I would remarry and seek happiness and companionship despite her tragic exit. Luke, I hate when she when she has talks like that, but you know, it might be important. So Luke, I had to have untimely and intense thoughts of the same about our own editorial marriage. Remember that time in Bacchus Hospital waiting room a few months ago? When your gallbladder nearly when you, ex- when ended, you left me? <laughs> this your gallbladder nearly ended this MK experiment and I had to, you know, come to terms in that moment that you know, this could be the best thing that ever happened in my career, and it could be over, Luke, okay? So um, keep that in mind. This segment isn't about me. It's about you, Luke. Or maybe it's more about how I might plan to move on or how you might plan to move on in my absence. Yes, Luke. Um, let's flip the script. Imagine right now that I'm one gas station hot dog away from my own quick and painful exit. In fact, that could be in play. We don't really know, Luke. I don't, I don't let too many people see under the hood. But let's say I passed, Luke. 42. He had a good run. Okay? For 48 hours, I'm sure that sadness takes over the combat sports headlines. Aspiring artist and broadcaster BC is dead. You know, leaves behind a great family. Quote in the obituary from Luke, he had so many dreams for global domination in this space. He is a man who will be remembered for believing in the power of his own art and what it could do to others. Luke Thomas said... Uh, Luke, this morbid question surrounds how you, following a time of necessary grieving, would attempt to move on had your co-host gone the way of other rock stars in their respective fields 
who were gone too soon, like Hendricks, Cobain, the Kennedys, Bias, former Yankees pilot Corey Lytle. How would you honor, Luke, the memory of BC in the immediate aftermath? And how might MK move forward, if at all, following such an untimely swerve to this show's history? Well, I've got good news for you and bad news. I'll start with the bad news. The bad news is, BC, you can compare yourself to fucking Len Bias or Hendrix all you want. Your passing would be the saddest, but yet the most mundane ever thing ever. It'd be like, oh, hey, this guy had a stroke taking a dump in the McDonald's bathroom. That's how they'd find you. You understand that? Hey, this guy was napping in his car in his lunch break, and he got carbon monoxide poisoning in his garage. That's, that's what your death would be. Meanwhile, like Jody fucking... Whoever would be playing on your, you know, little affair uh, CD on your car. Joni Mitchell. Right. Joni Mitchell would be. Joni Mitchell. Thank whoever you. the fuck. Uh, she's talented. But okay. Point being is this: your death is not glamorous or otherwise interesting. The good news, so to speak, is that if you were to pass untimely, that would be it for any duos I would ever do. I don't have any plans to have another partnership wow. after this one. You would be yeah, editorially I, celibate for the rest of your life to honor yeah, me and what we. That's have. right. Well, not to honor you, just but BC, because you, you are, are a prick. detestable, awful person. But we work; we just work. And Luke, you is know, this because you honor what we have made together, or because you realize I'm the only one who could have put up with you at the highest level? A uh, little column A, little column B, <laughs> little little. You know, I like to I like to fish around on the menu when it's dim sum Wednesdays. Um, yeah, listen, I'm not interested in a lot of partnerships. You know that, BC. I don't make a lot of friends. I don't have a lot of acquaintances. So when I do, they're ones that really matter to me. This one really matters to me. So if you were to croak like my cat probably is about to, um, I'm not getting another cat. I wouldn't get, I'm not trying to get another BC. I'm not trying wow. to do this over again. I just go back to making solo content. That's it. Okay. All right, Luke, that was, that's a mundane, sad ending. But, you know, maybe. And I may or may not smoke reefer at your funeral. <laughs> I would. I probably would. Uh, here's the key question, Luke. Would the episodes average more hits or less hits across the board? I mean, that's really the key equation, Luke. That's Probably the, more. That's like, you know, when you play the game <laughs> Clue, you know, you play the whole stupid game just to find out what's in that little probably more. envelope. Yeah, what are you going to do? All right. All right oh, fuck. My, my headphones died. Hang on. I got to switch them out. Yeah, I can't hear great. anything. Another, another, you know, for, for great production, always try MK, right? No, never. There um, we go. No, so, Luke, that's the damn wheel this week. I don't know if it survives another week, but uh, it's fun. When watching. the wheel is in person, this one's iron, this one's steel. If this don't get you, this one wheel. Uh, I like it in person. Okay. 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 Uh, Luke, we got another segment each week. We got an email address for it, too, called uh, morningcombat at gmail.com, where you can send in your picks, your suggestions, your corrections. No, corrections are Friday, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, yes. Every week we got mail. It's called fan submissions, and it's from you, the people. All right, let's see what these jabronis got. All right, I just want to remind you, they don't send this in, but I love these people so much that I put this on the show. Shout out to at Bill and Jen's RV Adventure on Instagram. Luke, they're continuing a tour of the Great Southwest, and this is Bill and Jen at Hoover Dam, in which they are both rocking some fine MK 1.0 merch. Maybe because... You know, they're only they're only have room for a couple outfits in that in that camper or maybe because they love us, Luke. But shout out just the same. Living the best American life I can possibly imagine. Yeah. Bill's Bill's beard is getting like mine a little bit, a little bit white in there. You know? Yep, He's getting washed, too. But he has okay. a nice life. 
All right, we got another great listener, Luke. You've heard of this guy before, the great Antoine of Alaska. He recently dropped everything in California, moved north to Alaska, Luke. I've been trading DMs with him. This guy's a wild man. He's, they say for 680 stood. This is him rocking the Alaskan peaks, wearing the green MK sweatshirt. Your thoughts? Is this what he uh, wore when he went into Speaker Pelosi's office? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Luke, and then he defecated on her desk. Yeah, thank yes, you, Antoine. I heard, I heard about service. those. I heard about those guys. I love. I love our people. Uh, Dan Silly fan from England, another guy who who slides in a lot, shows off his cat. Luke, this is my favorite cat in Europe right now. That's Damn. that's Millie, and he he's an old bastard. He's like seventeen or whatever, fourteen. Sorry, and he can't get enough of MK. So I always get some updates on Millie's life there. Great looking cat, Luke. Right, bro. That cat has the most cat face ever. Yeah, look at those two pussies on the screen. Oh, come on. Look at that. And his face is a dick and balls, too. Look at that. Yeah, he's the best. Love that guy. All right. Hey, uh, at Average Joe Art is back showing us some home renovations, but you already know he isn't missing some MK despite it, Luke. Can we zoom in on this? Check this out, Luke. Yeah, he's got us on. BC, which of the MK logos on that set was your favorite? (laughs) Uh, Probably the one that said uh, Bellator. Yes, yes, that one. Yeah, yeah. That, that was my favorite MK logo. You got to love, though, the, the, the... I mean, we got another DM from the guy who runs CTE Society the other day. Luke, I forgot to grab it, but he was on vacation, and he was I still watching MK on the balcony. So shout out to saw these that. people. And he was, in, he was in some tropical... I don't know, but it looked nice where CTE Society was at. So yes, shout out to that yes. dude. He was probably spending some illegal offshore betting money to, to, to secure that. So well 100%. done on that regard. Uh, Luke Arthur slides in. He says, what's up, Luke and BBC? Rocking some of the MK Merch 1.0 at Santa Anita Park in Arcadia, California. The shirt is great, and I'm happy to support the best combat sports show around. Thank you guys for all the hard work and great coverage. MK all day, nearly every day. Two words. We out. Hey, how about there Arthur, Luke? Go. He gets us there. Look, he look at, I think he's been in the gym too, Luke, right? You know what? I was going to say, this is one of our more normal-looking listeners and viewers. I'm, I'm happy to see that uh, not all of them look like they could have been... Um, what was his face in that... Oh, God, what was his name? Jared Leto in that creepy-ass movie he just made. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I saw that creepy-ass movie. It was all right. It was all right. It was, it was all right, yeah. Uh, that's a beautiful backdrop. If you've ever been to Arcadia, California, absolutely gorgeous. Love that area. Uh, all right, Luke. Tom P. is here. He says, this is for BC, not for Luke. You're on notice, Lucas. That is fucking wow. hilarious. I am seeing wow. this for the first time. That is awesome. Dude, I've uh, I've been in this uh, this fucking subway stop a million times. That is that dude. This is that. Okay, that's well done. That's, that's art. Super well done. That that's a piece of damn art there. You're damn right. You knew damn right. I got that 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 thing we're talking about too. So well, wow. Yes, Luke. Yes, yes. Josh M says I put the pint glass to use tonight to test out a sour beer recipe. It's pretty solid if you like sours and you don't even taste the tequila, so you can get fucked up. Next time, I'd like to find crushed ice instead of the bag shit from the store. Think it would thicken up nicer, like a true frozen margarita. What the hell is this guy talking about? Usually, I drink them on the rocks, not blended. Hey, thanks for sending in your recipe and for using our MK glass. But that's some long-winded bullshit, right, Luke? Also, he has the ninja. Um, blender. I also have a Ninja Blender, and oh, I like okay. it. 
All right. All right. Thank you for supporting our team there, brother Josh. I like that. Uh, Todd is here. He says, hey, guys, this might be getting into the meta fan fiction realm. But last week, Scott M. had an interesting speed bag in his fan art. Cheers, Todd and SD. I don't know if you could use that speed bag all that well, but uh, at least one nut hangs lower than the other there. Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. Shout out to Scott Rizzo for That's that. That's a true 45-year-old man's nutsack. Just leathery <laughs> and imbalanced. Do you see that guy's balls? <laughs> they were gross. Yeah, yeah, Luke, indeed. Okay. Uh, at Johnny Plasma 4321 Luke, I made the uh, Speedball Brutal Deluxe reference, which only people who had a PC in the late 80s know. And this man, Johnny Plasma, made a Speedball 2 poster, Luke, with you and I on the cover. Do you ever play either Are of those Are we really games? on the cover? Yeah, I mean, it was poorly done. It's, this ain't a Web Scream original here, right? Yeah, no, I've never played Speedball. Mm-mm. It was a futuristic robot soccer mixed with other sports game in which there's a metal ball and you're wearing armor and you can kill the other people and score goals. It's fantastic, Luke. Okay. What was your favorite game as a kid? Baseball stars on Nintendo and uh, NHL 94 on Sega are tied for the best ever in my personal opinion. Yeah, those are good. You're, you? You? Um, Super Mario 3 was the real first one amazing. I ever just spent a ton of time on. It was amazing, Luke. Yes. Legend of Zelda. Um, because 2, Luke, Super Mario 2 was a little weird, right? I mean, it was it was good, but it was weird. Yeah, 3 was like that first real innovative leap I thought that they had taken. Yeah. Obviously after the first one. Um, so that was a big one for me. Obviously in the arcades, Mortal Kombat 2 was a big one for me. But at home, Battletoads was big in my house. Yep. Um, dude, I've played so much fucking Duck Hunt. Oh my god, Duck Hunt for dude, you days. Know what? Duck Hunt's basic. That's white belt shit. Luke, um, Jerry Glanvin, Jerry Glanville's pigskin foot brawl. I had it on Sega. I've played it with friends as recently as like four or five years ago. It's a mi- it's a medieval football in which you can like stab people and score and stuff. I mean, it's 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 an incredible game. It's like full full uh full field rugby kill 'em football. It's fantastic. So wait, yeah. it's like when Ray Lewis played for the Ravens? Oh, wow. <laughs> I believe he was exonerated. Like he was an accessory at best. All right. Well, we, but, can't, uh, we can't joke about murders now. Is that a thing? No. Cancel culture. Out. Jesus. I got bleeped out for way less, Luke. All right, let's keep it rolling here. Mike N says, day one subscriber, huge fan. Keep doing everything you do. <laughs> God. You guys are gassing up this zero. I mean, <laughs> I'll just say this. That Bo Jackson picture with the fucking uh, football pads and the helmet, yes. or not the helmet, I'm sorry, the bat, that's maybe the coolest picture ever taken awesome. of an athlete. It's, it's pretty awesome. fucking spectacular. The fact that they sullied it by putting your pasty, country time, pink lemonade, swollen, distended face on there. Really, wow. BC, I got to tell you. <laughs> I mean, I was offended after after the first two, and then you just kept going with it. Oh, that's I mean, a that's poor... a face that that's a face that belongs in like a tackle box before a deep sea fishing event. <laughs> I mean, I am a little fat and pasty and in uh, uh, rock lobster some days. So who but, isn't? Uh, who right. isn't? We're all fucking oh. washed. Hey, we got one more. Let's bring back in the master, the legend, the greatest fan this show's ever known, Web Scream, who celebrated, uh, I think it was a week and a half ago, the, the debut of the morning uh, combat movie with uh, with our faces on the poster. Luke, somebody Dude, else had run this a few weeks ago. Such a good job with this. But his work is incredible. Look at this, Luke. Yeah, dude, that's the real deal Holyfield right there. That looks amazing. 
I could put that on my wall. I know I keep saying that. I should just print it. Let me it ask you. Would you rather be Scorpion or would you rather be Sub-Zero? Sub-Zero. I'm down with that. I'm down with that, Luke. But, but here's the thing. See, I never know how you feel about this. Scorpion is from hell, I think, if, the, if I got the, gener- the, the genesis of his story Yeah, I, I seek the light. You know that already, though. Yeah, but like, A, he loses in the modern movie. And then also, isn't Sub-Zero supposed to have like a cold heart? Wouldn't I be that guy? He's kind of like the villain, you know? That's true. There's a little bit of both of the dastardly guys there in you, which says a lot about you, Luke. I like quickly being the you bad guy. On. You know what I'm saying? I like you know, that you, shit. You know, part of that question, the Wheel of Death, was how you would honor BC, and you you didn't you didn't honor BC's death at all, Luke. I mean, that was just like... How would know. I honor it? I'd probably fart on the couch with my pants off and uh, eat Taco Bell. I mean... All right, all right. You could pour one out for me or something. I don't know. All right. I'd, I, I'd rub one out for boredom is really what I would do. Uh, <laughs> wow, wow. Please use the offhand next time. Luke, um, here's what I got to say. That is your uh, fan submissions. Morningcombat at gmail.com is your future yes. and always home if you want to send in that. Dead Wrong will be Friday. Uh, you, know, you know how this works already. Here's the thing. The ones we got, we got you. We love you. We need more, though. So please tell yeah. your friends about this show. Like and subscribe to this video. I can't stress it enough. The next two months are going to be batshit crazy for combat sports. We're going to see a lot of fun and wild fights from hardcore lovers to over-the-top Floyd and Logans, right? And MK is going to be there at a lot of these places, a lot of these stops on the journey, Luke. This show is going to take off in the next two months like we will never have imagined before, Luke. If you think I'm intolerable now, either on screen or off, get ready for the future. In the, uh, in the uh, you know, uh, behind the music documentary, Luke, we're right before the tip. And then pretty soon we're going to get in the car with Vince Neil and Razzle and one of us are not coming back. So um, yeah, get ready, Luke. It's coming, okay? I mean, if eventually... You die, if you die, I'm going to do what Van Halen did. I'm going to replace you with Sammy Hagar. Oh, we're just going to see how that goes. Don't Gary Sharon my ass. Luke, there's no replacing me. But I will say this, Luke. Um, I wonder if you and I will get Mike in the Mad Dog level at some point. You know, we'll piss each other off on screen, or I'll do an interview somewhere, and I'll say something that went too far, and then we'll no longer talk in real life. We'll take separate uh, transportation to the events, and, you know... The only conversing we'll do is on this show. One day, Luke, will be there. But until then, Luke, I love you. I love you too. Fuck face. Uh, okay. Let's do this. Let's plug the merch that doesn't exist. Although this exists. You can go to store.show.com. You can get the old merch that definitely exists. You just have to be within frisbee throwing distance of the actual manufacturer there <laughs> in whatever place it's made. Because um, they attach it to the frisbee and then they just throw it. So if you can't catch it. What are you going to do? Um, <laughs> if you want to try Showtime, 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, just go fuck yourself. But if you want to really take the plunge, show.com slash MMA. There's your URL right there. You can uh, sign up to get the first six months for five bucks a month. I mean, it's like a latte at Starbucks. What, what, are, you, what are you doing with your life? And uh, let's see. BC, when are you... Tra- Hold on a second. I got my live chat tomorrow. When are you traveling for for folks who have been living under a rock? We talked about at the beginning of the show and some other ones. BC is filling in for the legendary the Jim Famer. Gray on yeah. Saturday's broadcast out in California. When do you travel for that? I'll be traveling tomorrow, Luke. And, um, tomorrow. you know, I'm, I'm going to bring it. I'm going to get in your top five. I'm going to get... You know what I'm saying? I'm going to I'm gonna absolutely bring it. Excited. Uh, Luis Neri and Brandon Figuere- Figuerera for the... Uh, 122 title with Stephen Fulton Jr. on on deck. Uh, this is going to be some fun. Luke, you know already that the old StubHub Center, they call it Dignity Health Sports Park now in Carson, California, right? The tennis arena there. Um, 
nothing but magic happens in that in that ring when they when when two fighters show up there. And I do think Saturday's main event has a chance to be really special. Not in a Rio Salvarado fight for your life, but in a high-paced fight with a lot at stake and two skilled guys coming after it, Luke. Talked to Neri yesterday. He said, we don't need a referee or judge. It's going to be a knockout. So uh, uh, let's let's do this. Let's do this, Luke, okay? Neri, big, from what I've seen, big-time power. Figueroa doesn't really use his size, but loves to fight on the inside. Both of them don't mind uh, trading a little bit. So that one should be... To your point, it's just got, I don't know who's going to win, but it's got action written all over it. Should be high really pace, good one. a high pace. going to be fun. Super high be pace, fun. yeah. High this volume. division's on fire, and Showtime's done a real nice job uh, propping it up, so I'm happy about it. Yeah, it should be fun. So congrats on that gig. It should be a good time to watch as well. Uh, let's see again. Latch out tomorrow. BC, even though he is traveling tomorrow, he will be on Friday's show. So we'll get you ready for all the weekend's action um, on Friday. As is per usual, like the video, hit subscribe. Uh, that's it for us today. All right. So thank you to CBS Sports Showtime, Malco, who make this possible. BC, safe travels. I'll talk to you on Friday. And until everyone else, for everyone else, I should say, until next time, may all of your gains be loyal. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.